HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is being brought to you by Bob's Red Mill. Believers in good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. My name is Hannah Forden. I'm the membership coordinator at Heritage Radio Network, but even before I joined the team, I loved listening to HRN during my subway commute. It made the time go quickly and left me feeling inspired for the day ahead. HRN listeners tune in from all over the world, but there are a few traits that we all have in common, no matter where we listen from. A curious palate, the fierceness to make a difference, and a hunger for lifelong learning about the culinary world. As you know, Heritage Radio Network is a listener-supported nonprofit. To deliver the most ambitious, entertaining, and of-the-moment stories in 2018, we need your help. We need to raise $150,000 by December 31st to accomplish these goals and to keep your favorite shows on the air. Together, we can make this HRN's most exciting, impactful, and delicious year yet. No matter how much you choose to give, you'll feel awesome next time you tune in, knowing that we wouldn't be here without you. Become a member by donating today. Join us at heritageradionetwork.org donate, and you'll immediately start enjoying benefits such as VIP invitations to HRN events, where you will mix and mingle with your favorite hosts. Plus, we have great member swag. Show off your HRN pride with a t-shirt or keep your hands safe in the kitchen with an HRN potholder. Memberships also make a perfect holiday gift for all the foodies in your life. This year, why not give the gift of food radio? You'll hear your generosity in action for the year to come. Help keep our lights on and our mics hot by pledging your support today at heritageradionetwork.org donate. Thanks for listening. Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 12.45 from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Not joined, as usual, with Nastasia de Hammer Lopez because she has family obligations to attend to. Family ob- We do have my man Dave in the booth. How you doing? Doing good. How about you? Doing well. And special, special guest, 
special guest host today, Jack Schramm. Jack Schramm, formerly the head bartender of Booker and Dax, future head bartender of the as yet unnamed, as yet unannounced bar that we will be starting uh, sooner rather than later. Isn't that our hope, Jack? I think you just announced it. Well, everybody knows there's going to be a bar. It's just what, where, when, Uh, how. Also, some of you... Uh, who came to Booker and Dax and had some of Jack's fine drinks, may not know this, uh, formerly worked at Milk Bar, can answer all of your Milk Bar questions. Uh, Also, uh, formerly was a food studies person at NYU. So when he went home uh, on breaks, what'd you study, son? I study food! (laughs) Food, ma! Right? No, ma was very supportive. Everyone was supportive. Yeah? Yeah, their food... Food humans, yeah. So nice. care about what they eat. You didn't have think to think about it a lot. No, there was no no need to explain. I yeah. worked at a butcher in high school. Like it, it made sense. All right, it was what a logical could, what, move. What kind of butcher was it? Just a small family owned. It was like a hundred years old yeah. in the community in Alamo, California. Where the heck is Alamo, California? East Bay, the just like forty minutes east of San Francisco, in the not very exciting part of the Bay Area. Remember the Alamo? Exactly. That's a, that's a different Alamo. Different, very different. Thanks, Dave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it maybe Alamo, the car rental place, is from where you where you were working. I doubt it. Is that from Alamo, Texas? I would assume so. All right. Yeah. Uh, hey, interesting fact. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I I think I told Jack this, and some people have heard this. My uh, my stepfather's father, who you know died this year in his mid nineties, was a butcher for many years, and his his father actually started the butcher. Came over came over from Italy. In uh, in like you know 1906 or whatever, started the you know worked for a couple of years, started a butcher shop in the North End, and uh, when he died, I got the, you know his butcher knives, and I just hung it up his scale. Oh, that's awesome! I don't have a picture of it. yeah. Check out this; it's 1912 patent, so you know it's before like 1924. So mm-hmm. it was like early on in their shop and stayed in their shop the entire time they were open, and it was made in Boston, which is where their shop was. Carr and Chadwick. Carr and Chadwick. Butcher scales. It's still got the legal, it's still got like the inspection sticker, the legal for use inspect oh, like awesome. tag on it. And it's an old spring scale. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's pretty sweet. Does it still function? Oh, yeah. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Craftsmanship. But here's the thing, right? It hung low in the butcher shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the top of it was impeccable, like clean, impeccable. Yeah, because Under- people could see over the counter. They, yeah, yeah. Underneath. Right, mm-hmm. it had like where the two because it's a hanging scale. It's an old school hanging scale, uh, the, and where the two rods go down to hold mm-hmm. the platform onto the spring weight thing, uh, like decades of like lamb grease had oh, yeah. oozed over, and there was like this like you know like these mm-hmm. dams of lamb grease underneath. That's pretty sweet. There's no dirty floor like the areas of a butcher. That customers can't see. <laughs> it's it's terrifying. The yeah. things that you'll find. Yeah, yeah. De- decades of animal, just raw animal buildup. Well, I mean, it solidifies over time. Right? Oh, absolutely. But still, you know, it's like it's like layers of sedimentary rock. Yeah, but it, made of animals. And it has that. It has a texture of like asphalt. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's like you know some thick, fully gooey, firm. Fully firm. Nice. I like that. I'm going to use that in my next in my next. Good. My next band. Great. Yeah, that's, that'll yeah. be the title of the episode. Thanks. Fully firm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Nice. And we're not even talking about pectin methylesterase, which is something I wanted to use at the bar. Oh, by the way, 
Call in all your questions. I said this before, but call in all your questions too, 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. Or you can uh, send them on to, into the chat room. But Jack Schramm has all of the Booker and Dax specs that I do not. So, for instance, he actually sent them to me, but I can never find them fast enough. But probably in his head, he still has most of them. So all of you, you know, who are like, how do you make the Thunder Nut? I'm like, well, I know roughly how it works, but I don't know the actual actual specs. And so we can, you know, Jack here. It's been over a year, but I've still got them all pretty good. Yeah. So Blopins asked yeah. me for one when he sent me those mm-hmm. uh, beers to spin out, and I never sent the specs to him because I don't know. Uh, you know, like, I just don't know some of these specs. Like, unless it's my actual personal spec, I didn't have to make it on a day-in, day-out basis, and so I just don't know it. But Jack does, so call in all of your yeah. spec. And we're still going to do that uh, a Booker and Dax reunion. Uh, we should do it maybe, like, at, like as we're about to open, do a Booker and Dax reunion special yeah that sounds great here i know everybody would be super into it yeah it's before shift so people can come yeah, in absolutely yeah so any uh, any news in the world of uh foods and or drinks jack that you can think of not not in the broader world of food i feel like what, what's exciting right now is anything everything I mean, and nothing yeah. life is always exciting as that's long true as, you're, as long yeah. as you're learning everything's exciting yeah what about you, Dave? you have any cooking issues over the weekend before I get into these? Uh... Uh, I made beef stew in the slow cooker. Nothing remarkable. What kind of slow cooker do you own? It is... Oh, God, I'm blanking on the name, of course, now. What style? Are you an Instapot person? Well, it, it is... Oh, wait, it is an Instapot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, so are. it's like combo, slow cooker, pressure cooker. It's great. So, so you're part of the Instapot revolution, are you? I guess. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a genius move. I mean, like, for years, I was saying, why don't they combine all this crap? And then... But I'm too stupid. Instead, I'm building, like, torch, it, torch attachments and, and, and spin you know, zoles, spin zoles, and all this other stuff. The jetties. Uh, I never built a Vegetti. Oh, you just like to talk about it? I love to jam things into Vegettis. Well, who doesn't? Yes. I like to jam. I like to jam a, you know, when I have a carrot, I like to jam my carrot into a Vegetti. Obviously. That's, yeah. that's what the Vegetti is for. That's what the Vegetti is for. Accepting carrots. That was maybe one of our all-time greatest running gags was people calling in Vegetti stuff. Anyway. Man. Uh, so yeah. how was your beef stew? Oh, it was delicious. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my problem with pressure-cooked uh, beef stews in general, and uh, all pr- pressure cooker in general is fantastic for a lot of things, and you should get the hip pressure cooker book and all this, but the issue with it is remember that in a pressure cooker, there is not a lot of reduction. So when you're throwing meats into a pressure cooker and cooking them a la stew style, uh, they tend to be very liquidy when you pull them out. Like let's say you're doing a chili or some, some, something like this. And so you need to adjust your liquid levels going in. But, buddy, but, 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 if you adjust your liquid levels too low, you scorch, you scorch, which is no good. So in general, a lot of times what I'll do is, is I'll try to hover that level right around where, it, where it's going to scorch. And I, if you had like a – maybe your Instapot never scorches. Maybe it's like good at that or like, you know, I use the, uh, I use the Breville now. What's it called? Like the – What's, what's that in Breville, the Breville called? Like it's called like the temperature freak. It's literally called, I think, the temperature freak or something like this or the precision freak. Hey, I think it has the word freak in it. Did they understand that you were their target market when they named it? I think so because they yeah. sent me one for free. There you go. You know, but, but like, <laughs> is it called it? Dave, look that up. Is it temperature freak? It's something like this. I don't know. Yeah, give me a minute. Um, but. So with that, you know, you're not going to scorch uh, your product because it's never going to overshoot too much. And I guess, you know, I, I, I haven't a lot of, you know, work with like the Cuisinarts and stuff like this in terms of uh, scorch. 
I mean, really, when you have a pressure cooker, the advantage, the, my problem, in, in fact, my, uh, I shouldn't say it. My mom doesn't listen to this, so it's fine. So my brother-in-law was like, so should we get this Instapot? It's only 1,000 watts. For, he doesn't talk like that. We should only get like 1,000 watts for your mom because, you know, I thought maybe we'd get her one of these things. And I was like, 1,000 watts is kind of weak, right? Because my problem with these electric pressure cookers is, is that you're going to want to brown your crap before you cook it in a stew form. Dave, yeah, did you absolutely. brown your crap before you did your stew? Uh, no, I did not. Jesus, why? Were you following some sort of dump meal? What, you pour freaking <laughs> Dr. Pepper in the damn thing beforehand? I mean, it essentially was like a dump meal, I guess. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I've done this before. I just, it slow cooks for 12 hours, so it doesn't need browning. What? Doesn't need browning? Oh, God, here we go. Did, what liquid did you pour in? Uh, I used a combination of A1 and water. <laughs> I told you this is nothing remarkable. It's just, oh, for God's sake. Jesus. What's don't, the point of being alive for, without the Maillard reaction? Don't shame what? me for my slow cooking. I'm not shaming you for your slow cooking. Well, slow cooking, by the way, is different from pressure cooking. And slow cooking, you, you know. Yeah, exactly. Slow cooking is we different. We definitely brown stuff before pressure cooking. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, what you're doing is you're faking those those things by with the A1. You're just, you're using, is, what is A1 anyway? Is A1 Worcestershire sauce plus ketchup plus water that, plus vinegar? What is it? What is A1? sounds about right, but uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. By the way, Worcestershire sauce, fantastic. Delicious oh, the best. product. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Love it. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's the Breville Control Freak Smart Induction Cooker. Control Freak. Yeah. Uh, Control it Freak. It's $1,800 at West, or no, Williams Sonoma, sorry. So it does contain the word freak. Yes. Mm-hmm. Control Freak. Freak. Mm. Anyway, uh, it's, a, it's a good unit. It's a great unit. I like it. You know what I saw? Do you saw that? The induction, I want induction to take over. Like, I want it to take over. Like, you know, everyone's like, yeah, yeah. My, my pot doesn't work. Really? Your pot doesn't work? You were like, how many pots? Like, of the pots that I already owned before I had ever owned an induction, over half of them work on an induction unit. And the other half can be, like, you know, wiggled around. Yeah. The main ones that don't work is if you own any big, like, inexpensive aluminum pots, like turkey fryers, which I do, obviously. You know what I mean? Anyway. Yeah. Point being, like, Ikea now sells an induction unit for, like, 20 bucks. Eh, back to what I was saying on the slow cooker. So the Instapot's only 1,000 watts, and the problem is is that if you're not an enemy of quality, Dave, uh, you're going to want to brown your meats before they go in. Or, like, let's say you're, okay, did you put any onions into this stew? Yeah. Okay, thank Christ. You put some onions <laughs> into this stew now. Did you? <laughs> We're did, living in a society, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did you, did you uh, at least sweat the freaking onions? No. <sighs> okay, so if you were going to do any such things like sweating your onions or browning your meat... I need Nastasia here to back me up today. Where is she? Family obligations. So, like, my point is is that 1,000 watts is a little low for browning meats. It's just a little sluggish for browning meats. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing relatively large uh, things, it takes a while for 1,000 watts to heat your stuff up. Now, if you're slow cooking... Who gives a crap? It's not, you know, who gives a crap? I was slow cooking. You're slow cooking. Yeah. Uh, so who even, gives a crap? Even as a rice cooker, really, who gives a crap? Unless you're making a boat ton of rice, it's just really not that much of a load and the amount of time it takes, that much of a load, and the amount of time it takes to get up there to that, will. like, have we have we spoken about the Limbo Maniacs on the show before? The song? The, the mm, I don't think so. To- toilets flooded, the load won't fit. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, terrible oh. song, terrible Ooh. song. But really good musicians. You know, that's one of those Limbo Maniacs. Was one of those be. Limbo Maniacs was one of those groups that had a lot of good musicians with terrible lyric ideas, just terrible ideas, ra- terrible songs. You know, bad vocalization. Kind of like you too. Great live. Yeah. Uh, I never saw them like. Would you say kind of like you too? Yeah. 
You two, all I can think about with you two is like they lost me when they lost the ninga ninga ninga. Like I'm a big fan <laughs> of you two back in the ninga ninga ninga. Yeah, I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean like the old edge. jangly sound? Yeah, the, the greatest yeah, yeah. guitar pedalist. Of sure, all sure. Ninga 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 ninga. That's that's like when you two is when you hear yeah. that ninga ninga ninga, you're like, oh yeah, yeah you like, too. Oh yeah, the streets don't have a name. Yeah, I mean, then like you know, I'm still with them in the day two. I'm fine with that. Like later on, but like this newer stuff, it's not. It's not my. Uh, it's not my cup of tea. It's not, I'm not with them anymore. Anyway. Lines not, are being drawn. So back to back to this Instapot thing. I think 1,000 watts is a, a – what I would love to see is a 1,500-watt uh, induction uh, cooker Instapot. So like, you know, like my Zoji Rushi rice maker, which mm-hmm. is like very high-wattage uh, high uh, induction uh, unit. I saw one – by the way, I think I mentioned this on the air. When I went to China, I realized mm-hmm. how far behind we are – in rice cooker technology because I thought I had a really nice rice cooker and I have the nicest rice cooker that the average person could buy here in the U.S. I got it as a gift. I didn't spend my own money. But I I picked up this one in China and I was like, damn, this is a nice rice cooker. I was like, holy crap. I picked up the, the rice pot and I was like, I would be proud to own this pot. Like this, just the insert pot. I was like, this is nice high quality high quality it's a rolls rice oh (laughs) by the way jack one of our head punsters and we'll talk about puns and names do i need to queue up the rim shot i don't know give me a minute i would appreciate it if you did so i asked i asked the guy i was like how much does this cost in the in he's like that's a that's a thousand dollars i was like ooh. i was like you know what it feels like a thousand dollars if i guess if i was going to get married Mm -hmm. again and i ate rice every day and everyone was in that wedding spending mood. I'd be like, "Get me this. like this rice cooker. I want this thousand dollar rice cooker." <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I would use that rice cooker at least one thirtieth as much as a car. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And a car is like thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, absolutely. So mm, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And you can't drive. You know, you can't. You know, I guess you can use your car as a cooking implement. There's several books written on this <laughs> on using on using <laughs> your like the tailpipe. Uh, no, usually the engine block. Oh, that uh, makes more sense. But most of the stuff was written for relatively older vehicles. Uh, I don't know if they ever did a motorcycle follow-up because, it, first of all, like you know, where the heat on your motorcycle is is really dependent on how the engine layout uh, works. But I think they expected you to have some sort of like you know, uh, you know, straight six or something like. I don't know. I don't know what the heck they were. I don't know what they were expecting you to cook on, but they have a bunch of recipes that all, you know, boil down to wrap your crap in aluminum foil, strap it on, you know, to your engine block. Or I think just like kind of jam it into the top, into like the valve cover area, and then just drive until it's done. So it's mainly <laughs> items that you're not worried about overcooking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I I would never never attempt, but in a pinch. Well, I mean, know, post-apocalyptic. I you wouldn't. You would never yeah. attempt it. If you were yeah. driving from like San Francisco to mm-hmm. like Yosemite or up the Sierras, you would never be like, you know what, you know what, why not? I'm gonna save some time at the campsite. Yeah, yeah. So you, you know, yeah. did, did I tell you that? It, right, I'm not gonna get into. It. I'm not gonna get into it. <laughs> like uh, you, you, when the last time I was over there, I had a picnic at where the Donner Pass was, and literally a, a picnic. Yeah, where the, the people were, you know, eating yeah. the people. And it was all I could talk about. My wife was like, <laughs> I was like, A, that's disrespectful. And B, like, what the hell? That's gross. I'm trying to eat. We're talking about people eating people. And I'm like, yeah, but 
we're eating our picnic where the people ate the people. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I couldn't I get around we're, it. We're far enough removed that Donner Party jokes. I think they're okay at yeah, this point. Not too soon. What yeah. about the What about the people from that plane alive in uh, in Chile where they crash and the people ate the people? They're still alive. Those people who ate the people. The people who got <laughs> eaten were not alive anymore. Don't make the jokes to the people that ate the people. Don't make the people yeah. that ate the people. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Oh, you got the rim shot up. So anyway, back to the Instapot. I would love to see an Instapot like that. And also. Uh, you know, you were saying before, Dave, uh, enemy, enemy of quality. I'd like to make a distinction so that everybody knows. We are all – this is the difference between a low-quality individual and an enemy of quality. We are all low-quality individuals because we are all fallible. We are all weak. We are all low-quality individuals, right? The enemy of quality we, – we aspire to be better quality than we are. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's what makes us redeemable low-quality individuals mm. as opposed to – you know, non-redeemable, right? Absolutely. And that's the whole yeah. thing. We are, yeah. wor- I feel we are worthy of making ourselves better and therefore we're, we're okay. Mm-hmm. But, right, and, and in fact, as I've said many times, as everybody knows, if you don't have a little bit of, you know, of self-loathing, how are you going to get better? Absolutely. You need, you need to have that drive to improve. Right, all the time. Mm-hmm. If you think you're like, oh, I'm great. I'm so efficient. Everything I do is awesome. You're useless. It means everything you do is garbage. You're done for. You'll never yeah, get better. And you're, no, you're yeah. horrible at it. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway, not, 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 not my point. But go, going ahead. You, you want to take a call? An en- yeah, but an enemy of quality. Oh, I thought you were done. An enemy Sorry. of quality, as opposed to a low-quality individual, is someone who actively works against quality, mm-hmm. a.a. Satan, the devil, enemy of quality. So Making that, the choice to not get better and to not improve systems. Yeah, and actively ruining things yeah right like i'm not sure where i come down on pre-browning but we'll get into it anyway so we have a caller dave yeah yeah i right, call her you're on the air uh hi dave hi, um quick uh comment about the instant pot discussion uh and the beast you thing just since y'all were on it for so long while i was on hold um sorry the instant pot no it's all right uh i'm a big fan of the instant pot as many people are, I was really surprised at how nice the liner in that is. Um, I sometimes will take that out and use it on the stovetop. And in fact, that's my big, uh, because the power on it's not super great, like you were saying. Um, you can get things jump started on the stovetop with the liner and then move the hot pot liner to the instant pot. So you can do all your searing over a high BTU burner and then move it you know, to the instant pot proper, and then it'll get up to pressure uh, really quickly. Oh, that's an excellent point because, yeah, yeah, I can't do that, for instance, with my Mm -hmm. rice cooker insert or with the Cuisinart insert because they're Teflon coated and they're not rated for that kind of stuff. But from my reading, the Instapot is an uncoated stainless insert, and so it shouldn't care what the hell you do to it, right? Yeah, and the the cladding on the bottom is actually pretty thick, so it, it, it does a relatively good job. Uh, the only complaint is that it's sort of narrow just because it's a, you know, liner pot, so it's not really going to evaporate off a whole lot. But it's uh, it's quality. I mean, it's, you know, for, I think, 65 on Prime Day for an Instant Pot. Nice. Well, uh, that, that's a really you know. good tip, actually, because like, I, didn't, cause I yeah. didn't think about you because, like, I'm so used to those inserts not being, A, either being so thin that you wouldn't, like, it would scorch like a, like a mother if you put it onto a burner, or B... Uh, you know, not being rated for it. Like I would never put my rice cooker bowl on a on a burner 
Um, that's a good tip. And and are you like me when you do that? Like what I typically will do is I always uh, do meats in in ba- in batches and then throw them in the bowl, then throw the liquid drip off back into the thing to evaporate a little before I dump in just so I don't water everything down too much. You follow the same kind of protocol when you're doing the pre-brown? Yeah, I do the same thing. Sometimes I'll even, uh, you know, I'll get a couple of uh, Dutch ovens going and then move it all just because I'm, I hate, you know, it'll take you an hour to properly brown everything separately. But then if you have a couple of big things on the stove, you can just get your mirepoix off. You can do your meat in batches, uh, more cleanup, but faster. So yeah, I mean the one. Yeah, I mean it'd be nice if someone figured out something because it's just a multiple pot cleanup thing. And we'll talk about this if there's time later. I tried. I attempted to try a new cleaning technology over the weekend, Ooh. unsuccessfully. Oh. So and and while I have you on the air, before we go to the question that you're going to talk about, what are your thoughts on not pre-browning or pre-sweating your alliums? Uh, the alliums in particular. I have either one. Just so your thoughts. Um. I don't know. I always uh, brown it off uh, beforehand, but um, I, I very rarely. I'm always going for the darkest uh, jus, the darkest gravy, the most Maillardy, roasty thing. And that's the thing is that if you're not doing a conventional braise uh, and you don't get that evaporation, you're not getting that browning on top that you would normally get, even if you didn't sear it off. Um, like if you're doing an oven braise with the the lid off or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. If you're going to be doing it in a closed environment that's wet, I would always sear off first because uh, there's higher, yeah. Uh, yeah. higher temp Maillard products you're not going to get. So I'm going to go ahead and say that you're on the side that's over here. You're not on the side of the booth on that. Wait, can, can we just clarify? <laughs> does, does the browning need to happen for both slow cooking and pressure cooking, you're saying, or just pressure cooking? Um. I'm really both, but the thing is that you're cooking for so long with a slow cooker right. that it's gonna kind of happen. Right, um, but, right. You know what this sounds like, people. Start stuff with the sear at the beginning. All those flavor compounds also develop over the course of the twelve hour cook time. Right, and as I said, we uh, do brown before pressure cooking. Okay, listen. No listen. further questions. Cooking issues challenge. Someone take this up. Someone take this up. Do it. Two identical pots, two identical recipes, one pre-brown, one don't, cook 12 hours, report back. Someone someone out there chat room. has the energy to do this. Step up, chat room. Someone step up and help us out. Call in. We'll give you, we'll give you like five, six minutes of reporting time on cooking issues to report your findings. You call in. You let us know whether or not there was a big difference. Now, if you're really a high-quality individual – you will, or not as low quality as you might otherwise be, you'll do a triangle test with people so they can see if they can tell it apart. But Okay, so if anyone wants to do it, like, I'll give you even more time and more kudos if you do the triangle test. Maybe we'll give you a, some sort of a prize. Like Maybe we'll give you a Heritage Radio Network food radio since 2009 t-shirt. I don't know. I'm not saying we will because I don't have the power to do that. But maybe. Anyway, so now what's your question? Oh, I did, one final thing on the Instant Pot. This will be real quick. Um, I was actually really surprised looking at their little recipe book that came with it, how um, friendly to quality they are. Um, so, like, in their beef stew recipe, it's uh, brown brown everything off first, and then there's uh, after you've cooked the meat, then you strain out the mirepoix and get the stock back to normal and add, like, vegetables in stages. Huh. Um, and it's very built very linear very clean and it's um 
you know, it follows best practices, which is kind of weird in this uh, appliance, which is sort of sold as like a, you know, it's an eight-in-one wonder thing, and all you have to do is press a button and walk away. But then you look at the recipes, and they're like, well, if you were a decent human being and you gave a damn, this is how you would actually do it. Ah, well, I like to hear stuff like that. Maybe the people who make it are cooks. I don't know who makes it. You know? That sounds like good people, though. God bless yeah. them. You know, I, anyone, yeah. like... First of all, like anyone that like advances quality in a non-judgmental uh, way, unlike what I was doing to Dave, uh, I, so I like that. So judgy, so judgy. Mm. Yeah, look, we're, we're among friends. You can be judgy among friends, I think. Anyway, what was your, what was your question? Okay, so here's yeah. my question. Uh, I got a quarter boneless Suriano ham coming from S. Wallace Edwards. Whoa, 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 stop. Is he selling yeah, them again, or is this yeah, old stock? They are back. back in stock. The bone-in yeah. just sold out. They've got some boneless quarters uh, and fully boned-out ones available, but they're going fast. Let me interrupt you for one um, second. S. Wallace Edwards, who is a longtime supporter of the radio uh, network here. Love him. I've known him for many, many, many years, uh, you know, since, I don't know, like, 04 or something like this, uh, Was is one of the finest... Uh, ham producers in the uh, Surrey area of Virginia, Tidewater, Virginia. Uh, you know, family's been doing it for eight, you know, eight bazillion years. His, you know, grandfather wrote an article in the '60s about how hell was going, to, a ham was going to hell in a handbasket because they got rid of peanut feed. Oh, the whole nine. The guy, real deal guy, as well as Edwards. Anyways, uh, a couple of years ago, his. Uh, his establishment burnt to the ground. There were wild dogs running on his property, eating scorched hams, and we all cried bitter tears because uh, his, especially his his high end ham, which he called Suriano. I dislike that name intensely, but it's uh, it's a very good product, and I'm I'm happy to see that it's back. All right, now go ahead. Uh, yeah, and also just had to like go get it. Because it's going to be gone if you want them to yeah, anybody listening. Really high quality um, ham, really beautiful. Nothing brings the salt or the funk like Edwards. Yeah, how uh, how old are they right now? Are they are they what are they are they? Uh, are they I think 12? they're saying four hundred days. Four hundred days, nice. Yeah. All right, that's good. That's it's good cutting. Good, good yeah. cutting time. All right, so go ahead. Um, and so the only time I've ever had this ham was on my one visit to Booker and Dax. Oh, yeah. Um, Did you get the tasting or just the Edwards? It was on a one kind of random night that I happened to be in New York City, like, unexpectedly. My flight got canceled. And someone said, is there anywhere you want to go? So I went there, um, got the ham plate uh, and the pork buns because we had dinner reservations afterwards. So did you you put a Uh, slice of ham? Did you tuck it into the pork bun? Because that that, that, that was that's definitely the move. That's a turbo bun. Really? Yes. The new, the, the new place. A... The new place, by the way, will not have buns. One thing it will not have is pork buns, because to be honest with you, like there was a guy named Sinido who was the original pork bun maker at Booker and Dax, and prior to Booker and Dax, oh. just at Sambar, and he would. It, it, this is how he operated. He he always had the same pleasant look on his face 100% of the time, and it was air went in, buns came out. Air goes in, buns go out. I love Remarkable that stuff. Just a feat of endurance and strength and every bun stamina. Perf- every bun oh. perfect. No, no <laughs> Spectacular. Like, no dry edges. Oh, no. Just no, a perfect layer of hoisin. Just, oh, it's beautiful. No misplaced cucumber slices. No, absolutely not. Every, like, when you looked at his station, mm-hmm. people would order, like, uh, uh, eight billion buns, please. And, like, they would all look, like, perfect, like you would, mm-hmm. like, 
decapitate or cut Kermit the Frog right through the mouth, open, because that's how he would lay him out. You know what I mean? And oh my god! And he maintained the steam level in his bun basket perfectly. They were always so pillowy soft. Yeah, it's never true. soggy, never dry or cold. Sonido was a good a good man. Yeah, yeah, and he's not dead. He just went to go work somewhere else. Yeah, for more money. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, 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 I didn't say that, but I did. Okay, so you have this. You have a a, a quarter of us. Which quarter of the of the ham do you have? Uh, I don't know yet. It's uh, coming in the mail uh, later, but it's boned out. Um, and I guess my question is, you know, do you have any serving suggestions? I mean, I would just put it on the plate and eat it. Um, Correct, but like yes. pairing That's... suggestions or, I mean, I was thinking about doing the sort of espresso powder, uh, red-eye gravy in air quotes that, like, the, the Momofuku group you guys did to me that is the it, but, best uh, thing they ever came up other, with yeah, other pairing type thing. delicious product yeah i love that product and so like i'm gonna go ahead and say that you know of all the things that that crew ever came up with the that red eye gravy mayonnaise is maybe the best one i love that stuff i think it's somewhat polarizing some people don't like it right bad people i've never met anyone that doesn't like it right if you didn't know what was going to happen beforehand mm-hmm. first of all yeah. like Red-eye gravy, I mean, I grew up with it because yeah. my grandma used mm-hmm. to make actual red-eye gravy with coffee and, you know, and the drippings and stuff. But uh, So I have a, a particular soft spot for it in general. That stuff is delicious. But I will tell you what you can do. You know, the old joke uh, is, uh, you know, a, a couple in a Virginia ham is the definition of forever because it lasts forever. You know, but, but don't cook it. Whatever you do, don't, don't cook it, right? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, obviously. yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you can... But you, you should you should not. So uh, what I like to do is um, when when God invented the American country ham, he really wanted you to eat it with eggs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like uh, like raw sli- like so like let's say you're going to make a pizza. Uh, you fire up a pizza and then you uh, do like a fried egg on top, and then after it comes out of the oven, you put some thin slices of this over top of that. That is delicious. Or even like you take scrambled eggs and you cut some up thin and put it over the scrambled eggs after it cooks. That stuff's delicious. Uh, I just eat it straight. And sandwiches, it's good. And cheese plates, it's good. I mean, anything that it would be good, uh, anything that you would use a a, a prosciutto-style thing for, you could use it here. But I particularly love it with eggs. And so uh, because I like eggs more than the average person – when I cook for myself, when I'm alone, which doesn't happen hardly ever anymore, when I'm alone, all I consume is eggs. And so, like, you know, poached eggs, fried eggs, scrambled eggs, on toast. And if I have mm. country ham, there's country ham all, all over, up and down that. Um, and I think you'll find that if you're a person like myself and Dave, if you have a ham in your home, it's not going to last that long. No, you're just going to be slicing. Slice, slice, and, you know, slice. You're, you're bored, you slice some ham. You're hungry, you slice some ham. You're tired, a little bit of ham. A little bit of ham. A little bit. Every situation. Now, here, I'm going to go a little bit against what I normally say, and I'm going to tell you some of my own personal things that I don't like with that style of ham. Now, because uh, American hams have that kind of uh, a funk and a little bit of that kind of – I guess it's lipid, oxi- uh, li- lipid oxidation. So I don't know what it is, but there's a little bit of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it pairs well with uh, carbonated beverages. I can agree with that. Yeah. So, huh. like, I wouldn't do – like, I'm not big on, like, uh, a champagne and country ham tasting. Not. I mean, if it's, like, super oxidative champagne, like, into the, the nutty side of things, then, yeah. it, then it could be nice. But the bubble, it, just drink sherry. Get some sherry. Get some really good sherry. 
and eat a ton of ham. Yeah, but but be aware that you will have a horrible headache the next day. You will have just a <laughs> rotten. Now, there's been recent evidence that um, that hangovers merely mimic the symptoms of dehydration. But let me tell you, you will have the actual symptoms of dehydration if what you're doing is pounding nuts, cheese, ham, and cherry. Even though that is delicious, yeah, you will have a severe headache. I'm going to tell you this. It is worth it. Absolutely I worth would, it. I would, I would take that headache any day. But just remember, when you're pounding a lot of ham, hydrate. In the, in professionally, by the way, when you're tasting, should you ever become a, a country ham tasting professional – like Dr. Norman Marriott was, who used to be the food safety guy at Virginia Tech and who wrote some of the books on how to make country ham, uh, once told me, uh, apple cider. So, like, not carbonated, not alcoholic, although I like them both carbonated and alcoholic, but uh, apple cider is the palate cleanser of choice when uh, doing country hams. And so also, any form of thing like that is a natural pairing with a country ham. So, like, your apple butters, your apple sauces... Uh, you're, you're that cooked, that cooked, uh, apple note that you get out of a cider. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's great. Yeah. So, I mean, the situation that I have is I'm going to basically be using it as like a appetizer sort of situation on Thanksgiving, uh, for my like family. So, uh, I think apples would be kind of like a festive, like seasonal accompaniment, um, yeah, Apple. So, hey, you, you know what you might want to look into that's fun is uh, I like to do, uh, if you can get any cooking pears or pears that don't get too uh, messed up when you, when you cook them, what used to be known as uh, wardens, like I, like I love like a mixed apple pear sauce. Like in, if you look at the old medieval recipes like charred warden, it's like these uh, old pear sauces back when people used to do cooking pears a lot i mean it's not it's kind of gone by the wayside but i love an i love a, like a cooked down like little bit sweet apple pear mix and that kind of a compote would be delicious with uh with a ham but like honestly like i would just sit there chewing on that i would just be sitting there slicing a piece of ham for myself do you, what form of slicing are you going to do um so my plan right now is i have a uh uh, Yanagiba, like 300 sil- uh, cent- uh, millimeter sushi slicer. Right. Uh, that's got the chisel grind only on one edge. So I'm going to try to use that. It's a little thick, so I don't know if that's going to work, but I have other slicers to uh, try out as well. But it'll be done by hand, and I don't, you know, just kind of slow. I've, so have you ever been to Zingerman's in Ann Arbor, Michigan? I have not. I've uh, never well, been, I've never like been to Ann Arbor. Killer deli there, and they, they have a bunch of hams behind the. Uh, counter that you know they slice off the ham on the rack by hand and so if you want like three ounces of ham it'll take them 20 minutes yeah Um, yeah they they were the first big chain i know this because i spoke to someone there back in like 04 or 05 when i was doing a lot of my right after i had done my initial country ham research and they were the first uh big place to start serving uh, American hams this way and you know and like literally I would go in whenever I went into a store I would go into Dean and DeLuca's and I would say your ham selection is garbage why is your ham selection so garbage <laughs> and they would they were like who are you get out of here you know what I mean and uh, and to my knowledge even though I never got to visit them the Zingerman's was the first and for a long time the only establishment that uh, gave a, a, a crap about it so yeah I'd love to go there yeah, it's a beautiful place. Um, 
Anyway, well, uh, thanks for your recommendations. Uh, but, but hold on a second. Before you go, listen, uh, here's the question I have. Because when I say quarter ham, the, the real question is which part of the ham are you going to get? Because like, I don't know whether – I'm assuming he's not breaking the cushion off and then I'm, I'm assuming they're boning it out and then they're going to cross cut it. So you're getting some section of a cross cut of a ham. And the, I think that's what it, I think that's what it's going to be based on the picture, right? And so American style ham serving is a cross cut kind of a phenomenon. But as you're, I'm sure you're aware, the Spanish and as Cesare Casella will tell you, whose ham is delicious, by the way. I need to try Cesare's ham. Yeah, the uh, best. Yeah, he, you know he uses the old style hand cutting, and old style hand cutting is not a cross cutting technology. It's he, they're cutting uh, long ways, and they're doing that. You know what you would think of as the hand cut that they would do in Spain, mm-hmm. and so there it's just a jiggle, 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 jiggle with the slicer and making those like kind of mm-hmm. long wave. Long, and I used to not like that. Yeah. I have come around to liking them both for, for different things. So uh, just be aware that the easiest way to get cross-cut style things with a Yanagi, if you have an entire piece of ham, is to remove the harder, smaller part of the muscle that's underneath the bone. You'll see it's very much darker, and then that is hard. You put that down, and you can... I would not shave that one with a Yanagi. I would use something a little bit a little bit with a firmer of a back and just shave that as you would something harder because it's usually harder. Then take the the cushion section that you have, lay that down flat on the board, and that you can get long, nice draw slices with your nagi if you trim the you just trim only trim the skin back on the area that you're about to cut. That'll preserve the kind of the rest of it. So trim back just the area on the and obviously not with your nagi, use something else. Put that down, and then those you can get nice draw slices off. But I would not attempt to slice the entire thing as a piece. And if you have a quarter cut thing, I would not attempt to do the long um, uh, Spanish style cuts because you just don't have that that the length of ham to do it on. All right. Nice. Uh, yeah. Thanks for the slicing suggestion. I hadn't even uh, thought about those issues. Yeah, and that's what we're here for. Cooking, it should be cooking and cutting issues. Here Instant pot issues. Call in your questions. Yeah, oh call in your questions. Anyway, all right. Uh, we got to take a well, break. Uh, thanks for the uh, thanks for the advice. Also, thanks for the wonderful experience at Booker and Dax. Uh, my drink order was the gin and tonic, the Wanger, and yeah. the uh, Thundernut. Ah, the th- okay. Delicious. So the w- the Wanger was that your spec, Jack? Yeah. So what was it for the record? Uh, I'm struggling to recall exact measurements, but it was uh, a mango justino and a Louis Royer cognac with sweet vermouth, yellow chartreuse, uh, lemon, lime, and bitter. So it was tiki style, served tall. Named after? The one and only Nick Wong. Who, for some unknown reason, was called Wang. Wanger. Yeah, and it was served with a dance. Oh. Oh, yeah, the dance. Oh. We gotta have Nick Wong on, get him in the booth, have him fly back here just to do the dance at yeah. some point. Nice. All right. Wanger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Strong. Care, oh, guys. thank you. All right. And uh, well, gin and tonic specs we can get into later if we need it. But thanks for calling in. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll be right back with more cooking issues. <laughs> Bob's Red Mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. One of the nice things about Bob's Red Mill is it's the only that I know of national supplier that's easily available for lots of interesting, hard-to-get grains 
and other seed products. So, you know, before Bob's Red Mill became widely available, you couldn't go get something like quinoa very easily, or you couldn't go get spelt easily in small quantities. But now you go to any one of the huge number of stores that carry Bob's Red Mill, and you can get smaller amounts of these really interesting, fun things to play with. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. And we are back. Dave, you say we got a caller on the air? That's right. Caller, you're on the air. Oh, uh, yeah, Dave, Dan, Seattle. Hey, how um, you doing? So, simple, straight-up question. I, I can't deal with garbage vacuum, vacuum sealers anymore. I'm, trying, I'm planning to get a real one this Black Friday. Nice. Um, so, there's the PolyScience 300... Which, uh, last time I checked, I haven't checked recently, but last time I checked is a relabeled mini-pack. Okay. There's a VacMaster. Um, the, the one that's very price-comparable to the PolyScience is the VP210. Wait, how much is the PolyScience one? Okay, so on Amazon at this moment, the PolyScience is 800 and the VacMaster VP210 is 760 Huh. How much is the comparable small mini-pack? I... A uh, mini pack does not come up on Amazon, so that that was one of my questions. Is is is, it, is there a name brand I'm not seeing? Just a well, okay. So the the professional ones, like a lot of people have multi vacs, they're really expensive, and I for years have used mini pack. Uh, my question is, what kind of pump does the PolyScience have in it? Is it a is it a dry, it's a dry pump? pump. A dry pump. I haven't. I, I'm gonna. I don't have any personal experience. No one has ever sent me to evaluate. Hint: a uh, a dry pump uh, vacuum. I have always been a very like uh, uh, very pro oil pump fellow with my vacuum machines, and um, but. I have only really used professional level vacuum machines before and my only experience with dry pump ones is of the kind of food saver variety which are not good. Uh, Uh, I I, I can certainly back up that part um, but then one more quick question here. Have you ever used any of the Weston I mean they're they're truly industrial machines, but they're not chamber vacs. Have you do you have any experience with those? I don't. I, I only, I you know, no, I don't. I, but back to the vac master, I I've not used the if if the PolyScience is a dry pump one, I haven't used uh, I haven't used that one. Um, I I have not used the vac master, but I have spoken to people who like it. In other words, like chefs who've like they sent one to the French culinary. After I'd stopped teaching their um, low-temperature sous vide class, and Hervé Malaver, who's was you know teaching it, w- you know with with me, uh, you know before I left, uh, says that he thinks it's fine. He thinks it's okay to work with. Um, I have not used it, and I've never spoken to anyone in depth other than him, uh, you know, who has a lot of experience with real like oil pump based chamber vacuums uh and it so it's hard for me to make a judgment now typically an oil pump machine is going to clock in at $1500 minimum you know what i mean and so 
you know, it's twice as much money. So my, you know, the question is, is it twice as good? What are you going to, what are you trying to do with it? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what is it that you want it to, first of all, what is it that you want it to do? Right. Well, I mean, I feel a lot of different stuff, but the, the thing that just makes me climb the walls is when I make sausage and I'm trying to seal it in four ounce packages for like, to put on things on like pizza and pasta, right? So, so I want relatively small units, and I and I wind up with like forty of them. And the cheapos, uh, the cheapo models, I get seal fifteen quickly, and then they start overheating, and then it takes eons to get it finished, and you've got sausage sitting there getting warm. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Oil-based pumps. The more you run them, the better they are. Literally, the more you run an oil-based pump, the better it gets at sucking a vacuum because the, it, the pump heats up. And as it heats up, it gets better and better because it gets better at rejecting moisture that's in it. So it's just like, uh, yeah. And I, I, I'm assuming what's happening in, in, in also with the overheating is, is that as liquids get sucked into a dry pump, they... Uh, li- like liquids uh, actually inside the diaphragm area don't get ejected well enough, and so you reduce your pumping uh, action there, and you have to run it. Even one of those things, you have to run for a long time to re-dry out the inside of the pump to get like decent fast vacuum levels again. This is my experience with dry pumps and rotary evaporators, which I have a lot of experience with dry pumps and rotary evaporator situations. But those dry pumps also have such a lower CFM rating than the oil-based pumps do. Those oil-based pumps just rip and rip and rip. And so like if you're going to spend $800, I mean, I'm not telling you to go buy, but here's the other thing, right? If you, if you get a, a, like a decent like mid-level um, chamber vac, and this is the one thing that I think people don't invest in. I've said it back when I used to advise professionals on this constantly, get a, get a machine with two seal bars. And everyone's like, oh, the second seal bar takes up so much space in my chamber vac. And I'm like, you can take the seal bar out when you're not using it so that it's not taking up room in your machine. But especially if you're doing portion packs, imagine if you could seal two packages every time you close the lid. How much better would your life be if you could seal things twice as quickly? Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. So, you, some of them you can literally seal like two relatively small bags at once. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So you have like you, you get a machine. Yeah, right. You get a machine that has a seal bar on the front, a seal bar on the back. It's a it's a an add-on. Usually, it doesn't usually cost that much extra. And then when you need the extra space in your machine, you just pull the bar out of the back. And, and you're fine. Um, you know, it doesn't stop you from bagging soups if you want. Uh, you know, some of the machines, like the mini pack, the one that I use, you can also, uh, you can reverse it so you can have a super long bag outside of the chamber if you were bagging, let's say, a giant striper that you were going to cook or something like that. Or, you know, if you're out in Seattle, whatever in the hell, salmon, whatever they have out there. Dave, we got to wrap up. Final thoughts. Oh, oh, man. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, let us know what you choose. Next week, we're going to have a, a long cooking issues, uh, right? Dave or not for Thanksgiving? That's what I hear. Yeah. Okay. Got a Thanksgiving gift to you. Okay. Uh, Nick wrote in and wants to know when uh, the uh, Spinzalls are going to be available on Amazon. Hopefully by Black Friday, Spinzalls will be on Amazon. We're working on it. They're flying into the country now, but you never, uh, you never know. Um, we have a bartender question, uh, Dan from Chicago. 
uh, about uh, Christmas cocktails. Since it's for Christmas, we'll do it next time. Um, and, uh, oh, I'll tell you what I did on the way out, Jack. See what you think. By the way, do you have right. the spec for the wanger? Do you want to give it to him? Uh, yeah, I do have that spec. It's Well, if you have a, a Spinzol, you're going to need to get a bottle of Louis Royer cognac and do 150 grams of dried mangoes blended into the cognac, spun out to make the, uh, the mango justino that we used. And then it's uh, a half ounce of yellow chartreuse, a half ounce of pineapple syrup, which is just one-to-one uh, pineapple juice and sugar, a uh, quarter ounce of Carpano Antica, and three-eighths of an ounce of lime juice. And give that a whip and put it on crushed ice in a highball, top it with Ango. All right. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, but if you guys want more specs, we're going to do our Booker and Dax reunion episode. Or if you want Jack to come back on, let us know. Do a request. Maybe he'll, uh, out of the goodness of his heart, come back in. Here's what I did on the way out. I was using a pressure washer. So, like, you know how, like, you have things that don't fit in your sink, One like sheet pans days. and stuff like this? I was using, I said, what if I use a pressure washer outside, because I had access to one, to clean all my stuff? So here's the thing. Oh, jeez. On, tr- on sheet pans, mm-hmm. great. I didn't have access to warm water. I'm going to do a warm water pressure washer outside with a hose in a couple of weeks, hopefully. I'll see how that is. But fantastic on the sheet trays. Do not attempt on your Vitaprep, <laughs> uh, on your Vitaprep container. I was like, uh, Vitaprep container, it's kind of a pain. The sink's full of stuff, so do not attempt. And on big stainless steel bowls, like big salad bowls, like that don't fit in your sink, do not attempt. <laughs> do not attempt. But anyway, I'm going to work on pressure pressure washing as a as a uh, aware washing technique, and I'll get back to you with more information on cooking issues. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.